0: Oh my goodness, he's back, everybody. First of all, welcome to Mad About Hoops. I am Timmy Hall. We are your college basketball podcast around these parts, and he is evil, bald Colin. He is no longer an open wound. He's back. (laughs) There he is. How
1: we doing, buddy? You I'm doing great. You're live. Man, I'm doing great. I've watched probably about 50 hours of basketball just this week alone. I don't even know if that's possible, but to combine that over the past three weeks, that just tells you how much, I mean, I, I've watched even more than I usually do, and that's saying something, but um, no, it's it's good to be back. Time away was uh, not as fun as I would think it would have been, but mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's great that I'm back in time for uh, conference tournament time, and once we get into the NCAA tournament, just getting a chance to go down and see the games in Columbus. That's really what I'm most excited about.
0: You know, I've often thought about having some paid leave this time of year. I think you went a little bit too early on it, though. I mean, we're
1: we're getting into the good stuff right here. You just took
0: three weeks off. You should be starting that right right about now, or maybe next week, next Monday or
1: Tuesday, and then boom, (laughs) you're set, baby. If I was selfish, yes, I would have done. You were smart. Well, I want to work. I want to do the job for. This is what we do it for. This is the month we do this show and this job for is to talk about this. And I can't wait. It was so painful to not be able to do this show those two to three weekends I was out. But it's I, I can't wait to get back into this.
0: Well, we missed you, man. We had some fun guest co-hosts, some uh, personalities from the fan here. We had T Bone. He loves doing it. We had Maddie Ice, who is on the show that you produce and Dave Holmes from 10 TV. You know, I've, I've often thought about taking up the promotions for vasectomy madness. I I don't remember where, I don't remember who came up with that term, but I know a lot of dudes use this time of year to have that extra two day recovery when they're just sort of sitting around with the ice pack, watching college basketball. What an excuse, right? The
1: advertisements are everywhere, but yeah, if you can get that done, I don't know. You'd want to get it done on the Wednesday so you could be off Thursday or I don't even know how that goes. I think you,
0: you hit it on the head right there or hit it on something else. That's
1: perfect. (laughs) That's perfect.
0: (laughs) Yes. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. So uh, that's so good, man. And I can't believe it. We're actually doing our first podcast in the month of March here. So that, that in itself is wonderful. CBS sports theme. It just plays over and over on a loop in my mind, man. I know you're the same way, baby. Here we go. Ba-da-da-da, ba-ba-da-da, 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 ba-ba-da-da. Oh, so, all right. You are really more in tune with these small conference tournaments than anybody else I know, guys. I try to be. He's on my ass every single day to fill out my picks. He sends me a Google Doc sheet just for fun. We're the only two people on it. It's mano imano, and we pick the champs and the runner-up for every single conference tournament. I
1: think in the past we've it's tried crazy. to get I think in the past we've tried to get people to do it, but they kind of look at us like we're even crazy. So I. I don't blame them for thinking that, but no, it's a great way to stay in touch with it. And honestly, it's going to pay off when it comes to finding out which teams make the tournament because you're not going to be blind to some of these conferences, some of these representatives for these conferences.
0: It also helps us because we talk about this every year. If you don't do it yet, we urge you to get with your group of buddies and do one of these drafts. If you guys love fantasy football, this I have found has been one of the more fun fantasy sports to take part in. And that's the NCAA tournament player pool. That's the player draft. And usually if you put in a stipulation that you have to pick at least one guy from a low-seeded team,
1: paying attention to these smaller conference tournaments really does help. It's 100% going to pay off. Um, But you get into that conversation with the player draft. It's it's really interesting how that goes because you – Realistically, want to take teams or players on teams you think are going to go very far, but at the same time, you don't want to neglect the guys that are going to get you 25, 26 points. I, I know that was a great debate last year with uh, Keegan Murray at Iowa. Like he, he was one of the first guys to go off the board, and rightfully so in terms of his talent, but the issue was is that they lost, lost right away, and you lost them after one game.
0: All right, so we've got so much good stuff to get into on this edition of Mad About Hoops. We, of course, are going to steer the ship through the month of March. So some perspectives, some insights into conference tournaments firing up. There There is a comment that I have heard about this college basketball season more than any other comment, and so we will hit on that in this podcast. And there was a chase at the pistol, pistol Pete Maravich, and for the time being, the scoring king is safe. It was close, but Antoine Davis of Detroit Mercy did not catch the pistol Pete Maravich. We will talk about that as well. And of course, the Ohio State Buckeyes have won two games in a row in the Big Ten. We'll have a Buckeyes segment as well. Sit right back. We'll tell you a story about college basketball it's mad about hoops. Mm-hmm.
1: To go. Lewis has been awesome.
0: Let's it go. It, oh! Inbounds, Turner, left side of the backcourt. Turner across the timeline, throws it from high on the right. He, he makes it! it! He hit
1: it in the He hit it just inside of half
0: court! Lane's on the other wing. He finds oh, it. Oh! 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 it in, Jerome! Oh! Is March Madness. You know, I, I tweeted out a clip of that Ron Lewis shot right at midnight, right at midnight on March 1st. As and you should. the fans loved that. Certainly the Ohio State basketball fans. They think about, you know, simpler times when their team <laughs> was making deep runs in the tournament. And. Maybe one of the more underrated Buckeyes, I was getting that a lot too, Ron Lewis. And also the shorts seemed to dominate the conversation. Not just, it was Gus Johnson, it was, oh, I wish we were making a run like that. It was Ron Lewis, heavily underrated. And wow, why are the shorts looking like pants? They're longer than some pants that you see now.
1: <laughs> yes, it's uh, it's quite a different in generations. and I I know the the photo that floats around, I forget the name of the player, but he plays on St. Bonaventure that's wearing shorts that are quite literally down to his ankles. Uh, during the tournament season which is just a great photo if you haven't seen it before a Bonnie this year no wearing this, shorts like this that? was almost oh, uh, okay what was it early 2000s but I I see it float around all the time when people talk about the greatest uniforms ever and it's it's just always so funny. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's it just kind of signifies the change <laughs> oh my in eras.
0: I'm look, I'm looking at this. They look like pants. Uh, we'll tw- we'll tweet this out on our Twitter account at Mad About Hoops. You guys should follow along with the Twitter account the whole month. It's this is ridiculous. They look like Jinko jeans. I don't yes. know if that was before yes. your time. No, I know what they are. You do, yeah. Where the whole the whole object was to be as wide as humanly possible, and I don't understand that because I thought the Jinko Jeans brand was sort of marketing towards the skateboarding crowd, and I would think the less clothing down there, the better. You don't get it caught up in the board and all that. But yeah, this is this is phenomenal. It says uh, the guy's last name is Green, but I don't have uh, Mar Marques Green. This is former St. Bonaventure star, Marques Green, still fondly remembered by fans today for his gigantic, remarkably baggy shorts. It's great. It's
1: not just baggy, though. They're really long.
0: Well, yeah, long they are. They're down to his ankles, right? He doesn't even need to be wearing socks because they're so long. It's ridiculous. But, Colin, going back to what we talked about in the open, you're paying so much attention to all these small conference tournaments. Is there anything that you have seen yet or... Have you gotten to watch a team play that you've actually been curious about for the entire college basketball season, or do we still have to wait? I know as we're doing the podcast, arch madness is becoming a thing. And you and I, we got a lot of respect for Missouri Valley Conference basketball. That's a good league. I can think back to times where they took as many as four teams to the NCAA tournament. I mean, they used to be loaded.
1: I mean, these aren't loaded Belmont and Murray State teams this year, but they're both the four seed and the seven seed, respectively. So it's it's definitely a tougher league, and it's it's a step up from the OVC, which we've seen this year. Um, in terms of games through Friday when this is being recorded, not necessarily. I mean, Bradley's interesting. I really like Drake. Tucker DeVry is a guy you're going to have to pay attention to. He's uh, the son of the coach. He averages, I think, around 17, 18 points per game. I really want to see Drake make it because Drake's the type of team that They've they've got really really old players experience and good guards That's the type of team that could make a run or if you're looking in a player pool Someone that's probably gonna be a 13 or 14 seed if they make it and they've got some good players that could get multiple games out of them But um, no not yet. I mean then some of the conferences that are playing you don't really expect a lot out of like I love the horizon league, but you don't really expect the team from the horizon league to win uh, Come NCAA tournament time same with the Northeast Conference the worst conference in America. I think no teams inside the top 300 in the net or Ken Palm. Like, it's just, it's that bad. But we'll start to pick it up this weekend. I I know there's, uh, the the West Coast Conference is about to start up here. So you'll get what seems to be a St. Mary's and Gonzaga final come Monday if everything plays out the way it should. Unless if Loyola Marymount spoils things. But I I think you'll start to see more of the conferences you want to pay attention to here into the weekend and heading into next week. You talk about that bad basketball.
0: Isn't there something that can still be good about that, though? It's like watching a shitty movie, like a really bad basketball game, or just if they're both equally bad, it can still wind up being entertaining. You pack it into some of those small gyms. That's what I like. like I mean, the think, Antoine of, think, Davis of Bryant. Game. think
1: of Brian. Think of Brian last year. Oh, with, uh, with, with Peter, Peter Kiss. Kiss. Yeah, that I, dude is a menace, man. I mean, they were so fun to watch. They were getting in fights with Wagner in the NEC Championship game last <laughs> right. year. Yeah, um, had to stop the game halfway through for a for a period of time to settle that fight. But then they went and lost in the. Uh, they lost, I think they lost pretty big at the right state in the playing game between two sixteens. Um But yeah, it's uh I. It's bad basketball, but when they're both playing each other, there's actually some pretty, pretty good excitement that comes out of it.
0: What about flip it to the big dogs here? Because the big schools, the power conferences, they're finishing up regular season play here this week. They're posturing to either win regular season championships or get a nice seat or that double bye and whatever their conference tournament allows. There you look near the top Kansas secured another big 12 championship It always looks like they have some adversity middle of the season. They hit a pocket where they start losing some games, and then everybody questions them. And even without really a bench to speak of, they step down on the gas pedal. They beat TCU on the road. They beat Texas Tech at home by four. Credit the Red Raiders for actually finding something and being an above 500 team now. But once again, uh, you take that famous Bill Self trophy room photo, throw another one in there, man, (laughs) as they go on as the one seed to the Big 12 tourney.
1: Yeah, man, I, I've got so many good things to say about Kansas, and I know that'll bring a smile to your face, but I, I really enjoy this team. I, I think they're playing up to their potential, but not only because of that, they're playing over their potential because of certain guys on the team, Dewan Harris, who's been really known as a specialist on defense at the point guard position is really starting to provide more of a power on the offensive end. Sure is. Kevin McCuller has been a guy that's been around nine, 10 points per game, but he's really started to provide more on that end. So you're starting to get contributions from guys in certain areas. You weren't fully getting in that middle stretch of the year that they're all starting to come together. Grady Dick's been great. Uh, Jalen Wilson's played up to his level. Uh, Adams, the uh, forward has been really good too the young guy. Um, but yeah it's it's a, it's a solid team. bench is a little interesting with the guys like y- Safu, and uh, mm-hmm. I think he's, he's like from, the one
0: guy. He's the one guy that seems to be able to that, give them you know an eight to 10 spot that's off the, the bench. The only
1: thing that concerns me if there's any type of foul trouble or anything like that, how is Kansas going to adjust to that? But yeah they've got they've got a starting five that's going to compete with almost anybody.
0: let me I haven't heard you speak on Marquette yet this year.
1: Marquette's a fun team. They've quietly
0: just climbed up to number six in the country. They destroyed Butler, took the big East championship from Xavier. We kind of thought that X was going to get this all year long, but shock is smart up there in Wisconsin. Now, man, just doing his thing. Good ball.
1: Yeah, no, if you ask the average college basketball fan, if they could name more than three players on that team, I don't think they could. And that's not, it's not a knock on Marquette. They just kind of gone quietly through the season. I mean, They've got the player of the year, in my opinion, in the Big East, and Tyler Kolek, their point guard, which is going to be huge come tournament time because we always talk about guards leading the way. Uh, Cam Jones is a guy up there that's one of their top scorers, and uh, he he hasn't played as much in recent games or in recent months, but I know our guy locally here, Sean Jones from Gahanna-Lincoln, uh, was getting some time earlier in the season. He's a freshman up there. like to see him doing pretty well and playing for a good program. But, yeah, no, Shaka Smart's got a team that's going to play tough defense. They're going to hold teams in the mid to low 60s on defense. And then they've got guys that can get buckets for them.
0: Love the shout-out to the local guys there, Sean Jones. He was a remarkable player here uh, in, at the high school level in Central Ohio. That's why Shaka recruited him. Yeah, the, the dude you just mentioned there – Anybody that approaches the eight assist plateau in college basketball, that's something because as as a point guard, it's something man. I mean, it doesn't matter what position you're playing because we know from watching Ohio state basketball, it could be a struggle for the team to get eight assists in a basketball game. So you think of one player averaging that it's just, it's the difference. One of the big differences between college basketball and the NBA is the way that they can share the basketball and just, the overall number of shots that are being made. Even when you make a good pass, like a kick out to a three point shooter, it's impressive. It tells you how many times this guy is setting up guys for really easy shots to make. So impressive stuff. We will keep it rolling here. Quick pause. And we got to talk about the thing that happened this week. Also at the mid major level, but Pete Maravich's all time scoring. Mark almost went down, but it didn't happen. And it was an Ohio team That stopped that from happening. Much, much more coming up. You guys are listening to Mad About Hoops. Timmy Hall, Evil Bald Colin. Lots of college basketball talk coming your way here because it's Mad About Hoops. It is March. March Madness. And you know, I'm not really going to sit down and watch some Horizon League tournament unless... Well, let me, let me rephrase that. It's college basketball. <laughs> it's, it's on, it's it's conference tournament play. We are sickos, so we could be watching that, but there was a little added thing here. And this was bringing me to the table. When you had a guy in Antoine Davis at Detroit mercy, who is actually nearing Pete Maravich and when I think I first found out about this earlier this season, I didn't even believe it. I had to go back and do my research and find out how long he's been there, that he's Mike Davis's son. And then when you go and look back at at the pistol and what this dude did in three seasons at LSU, I think that's maybe what's more fun is that you take a look at the gap in these two runs here and just how everything has changed and how college basketball really isn't set up for a guy to be that good and stay that long Because what's he going to do? He's just going to go and take the money and go to the NBA. So this is why you would think that a record like this for Pete Maravich would stand forever. This happened in the late 60s, man, where in, what, 88 games, he had over 3,600 points. And then some dude from Detroit Mercy, of all places, really a losing program. I just think there's a lot of different angles to this and what people think about this and if it impresses them or if it doesn't because... You had a good player at a really, really bad school, just getting lots of shots up. And by the way, Youngstown State came from behind and beat Detroit Mercy. So you had the idea there where they could get the extra game in their Horizon tournament. They would easily have gotten that, but they didn't. And Colin, did you see he took a three at the end of the game, went down four so that it was over and it would have tied Pistols Mark. Antoine missed a ton of threes and a ton of shots in the final 2 or 3 minutes of that game and he fell 3 points short.
1: Yeah, you could tell he was def- definitely gunning for it, but um I'm really surprised at some of the narratives that kind of goes behind this conversation between these two guys because I, I really don't have a huge take on it. Like, I'm okay with it that if he goes and plays in a CBI and gets it, so be it. Like, I, I'm not really high-strung uh, that. Ah, that. Yeah. But, I
0: kind of think that would be crap.
1: But here's, here, here's what's You're just so funny. You're under 500. And I don't think people really realize it's just how much of a volume shooter for Merovich to get to that point. Like, he played three seasons and Antoine Davis played five and this isn't just a guy that played five seasons, but he really only played about four redshirted one year. No, he took a COVID year. He averaged over 20 points per game in every single season he played in college he basketball. He had
0: to play five full seasons to even get, to to get, to get a go at this. Yeah,
1: but he shot almost 200 less shots than Maravich did in his three years.
0: But the pistol has a better field goal percentage. So when you look, at the, you that. When yes. you look at the fact that and he Pete, had to. Pete was averaging 44 a game, all right? Not 25. That's the crazy thing. This dude,
1: and this is remarkable. I mean, how many times... He took almost 1,200 shots his final year.
0: In 31 games. And most of them were going in. <laughs> that's,
1: the well, that's the thing. that's the thing. That's he was he's setting in his up position. teammates as well. Yeah, that's how he's in this position is because he was so efficient with it. I will give him that. I'm just kind of surprised, and this is my first time looking at it, just the contrast and the amount of shots. And I thought... Antoine Davis was a volume shooter, and he is, but the most shots he had in his entire career in a season year, was a year, seven hundred and thirty two. Yeah. Which is insane to think about.
0: I know. I'm just looking at some of these things. They have the uh, website, sportsreference.com, which is the place I always go to to find college basketball stats. I'm sure you're on the same one there. They have a strength of schedule meter, like on the far right of the of the players per game statistics. And Pete's are way on the plus side because of where he played and who he was playing against in the late 60s at a team at a school like LSU. And Antoine Davis, in some of his years like that 2021 season, the SOS is a minus 6.21 Way on the minus side. So it just tells you about the quality that you're playing against. And yes, I mean, I do think it all goes into it. I still think it's a fascinating story because it sheds some light on the smaller conferences. Dude, I was actually contemplating going to a Detroit Mercy basketball game on Saturday because the Buckeyes weren't playing, had nothing to do. You and I both love college basketball. You could sit us in. Honestly, we don't, we're not kidding when we say this, any gym in America and we would be happy, get a bucket of popcorn and a coke, and watch the game, and just feel the environment. Take a walk around the arena. Like, Anything we'll, like we'll that. We'll
1: get into it this weekend. I think it's uh, Kent State Akron weekend to call it, close out the regular season. Like, yes. I
0: would love to go to that. They're playing on Friday, and to all of our listeners on Saturday morning on the fan, that game's done now. But Mac basketball was great this year, so we wound up, to, you know, to go back to that story. We were thinking about going to the Detroit game because they were retiring Antoine Davis's number. In his last game, which I think is the right thing to do. I mean, how could you not? This guy's
1: going at Pete Maravich. I think the last guy we saw do that was Garza at Iowa. I think that's the last time we saw that.
0: They did do that for Luca.
1: I think it's. I think you know, it's the right. correct decision yeah. for Luca.
0: You know, I'd have to look at his whole entire, uh, run. But my God, his final two seasons at Iowa, the guy was without uh, a doubt unbelievable. You know, doubt. National Player of the Year type stuff. So I, I thought that was neat. And easy tickets, I mean, you're still talking about like a 5 or $10 ticket in a small gym where you're really not going to be anywhere, you're not going to be like 100 feet away from the court, really anywhere that you sit. So it was either that, but we wound up taking a, a shorter drive and we went to Bowling Green because the Stroh Center is kind of new, very cool place with a glass wall on the outside, easily accessible, and I wanted to see that Kent State team. So you t- just talk about, you know, what what a run like this and what an Antoine Davis type story gets me actually thinking. It had me contemplating going all the way up to Detroit on a Saturday, ultimately decided to see the, our golden flashes here in the state of Ohio, because since your carry is really good too, but I think it, it's remarkable. Clearly he's a long long. I mean, that, this is a joke to even make the comparison. He ain't pistol Pete like this. I think if anything, this sheds right. more light on what he was. Cause I think he's more of a forgotten all time. Great player. I don't think, people of your age know as much about Pete Maravich as they should. And so I agree Instagram videos are popping up and you're hearing guys like Larry bird and magic Johnson and just basketball hall of famers talk about who the pistol was and the way that guy could handle the rock, man. Also teaches you something to, to young kids. If you want to be that good, he'll tell you about how from the time he was 10 years old and on, he would practice. 8 hours a day in the summertime, even just dribbling. You don't need the a hoop, just dribbling the basketball. 4 hours a day in the winter. Like that's what this that's what these dudes were doing back in the day. It was just all basketball and you could not steal the rock from him. It was like it was on a yo-yo, on a string. And the things that he could do out there, it was just like an orchestra. It was just like a conductor. That's how he played the game and to score the many points. And we know the story of his coach tracking if there was a three-point line. They say he could have averaged 52 to 53 points per game as a college basketball player. That's just nuts, man. It's stupid to even think about.
1: Yeah, it doesn't matter how many shots or whether there's a three-point line. or Yeah, he's he's the guy and he deserves... All the credit for what he did in his three years, and it'll definitely be different. And if again, if Davis gets the CBI games and then eclipses his number, I I still think those guys, in their own respects, deserve their own praise in different ways. You're more than welcome to think Maravich is still the king of the points at that point because he did it in three years. I really don't have a a strong stance on it, like I said, but it's you got to give praise to Antoine and the career he had.
0: I mean, we're never gonna really. The only chance would would have you'd have a another antoine davis like guy someone that would be
1: content going the mid major route dominating i think our closest was probably acmus at oral roberts i think it's the closest we would have gotten the but fact i don't think he
0: did stay there yeah but
1: i don't think he's going i don't think he has another year if memory serves no, me right no i don't think he
0: does and i'll tell you i'll tell you how far away he is cuz i'm on that, that sports reference site it's just 4 seasons for him and he started off even even the way he did. He started off at fourteen point four points per game, and that's incredible as a true freshman. But that's not nearly enough. That's a twenty point nine lifetime average for Max Asemus. And we know from watching college hoops, if you're averaging twenty, you are a special player Absolutely. in this game. He's at two thousand four hundred eighty six. What we say this was at? We're up at like three thousand six hundred something. Yes, for the record. So yeah, he's tw- he's twelve hundred away, man. That's two more seasons. At like six, he's got 668 points this year.
1: That just tells you how good you have to be from the get-go in your freshman year. And it's it's crazy to think about that. I mean, I'm sure people saw Davis' season this freshman year, but he kind of flew under the radar early on and really started to pop off off the screen for people that were tracking this stuff about a year or two ago.
0: It'd have to be an anomaly-type guy. The system and how the sport is played and how college basketball works would have to drastically change. I don't think yeah. we could ever see this.
1: I think honestly, the only way you see this is if the NCAA, which has been kind of considering this is moving, moving to a five-year eligibility type of situation. Because, and they pay like they actually yeah, pay. Yeah. But if, if they move to like a five-year eligibility thing and because the COVID years for a lot of guys are going to go away, those guys are starting to drop off because they don't qualify for that anymore. Davis you, you know, I've been
0: them. a proponent of a five-year swing because you don't have to use it. But if you have of a course. redshirt year, why couldn't you just have five years of eligibility? Especially because you...
1: And it's going to happen when the, the new CBA comes out for the NBA, but they're, go- they're going to remove the one-year requirement. Yeah. So I, mean, I think are. it's fair yeah. on both sides of it.
0: I just think it's smart, kind of getting into that discussion for a second, because you can have a better shot at a program guy like an Antoine Davis, like a Kyle Young for Ohio State. I mean, sure, Like like I just said guys will still look to professionalize. Not everybody's going to take it, but in the off chance that someone just loves being in college that much and being adored by a fan base, I, I can, I can't think of a lot of better things than a big time college basketball environment, you know, and if you're winning and you can then get your undergrad in three years and then get your mat, you could wind up with a master's degree and a hell of a nice college career and with NIL earn a hell of a lot of money and then by the, you might even I mean, be a guy that develops Timmy. enough if, that could go to the NBA after all that. Th-
1: that's that's Drew Timmy right now. He's got a year next year where he could come back, do the same thing, make big money in uh, nil, and do just as fine and be a, uh, be a college guy. Just be known as that. I, I think there's a lot of guys in that category. Maybe it's going to be more big men than guards, but eventually, that's I think you're going to see more of that trend.
0: All right, there's something that might shock you about the Ohio State Buckeyes right now. And I can already see his face right there. I'm gonna make, I'm gonna shove it right down evil bald Collins' throat. Quick pause here, more coming. It's mad about hoops. Here
1: we go. Wow. <laughs> All right, Tim, we're going to start off with a segment with a little statistic that I know you want to talk about. So I'll just let you just kind of leak the information of what this is, because yeah, I, know you want to, I know you want to say it so bad. Here's what's happening right now. And I don't want to make a bigger
0: deal out of this. Bodie actually told this to me. Our guy Bodie Wells, one of the producers here at the fam who does a lot of the men's hoops broadcasts with me running the show. Ohio State is one of two schools in the Big Ten right now to have won back-to-back games. That's how crazy this has been this last week or two. Purdue can't win right now. Northwestern's lost a few in a row. Maryland and Illinois, they're losing. Uh, yeah, because we're the team at the point of the discussion here. The Indi- only other Indiana. team.
1: Indiana had a great game at Purdue and then goes home and gets waxed. By this one of these two teams,
0: and that team is Iowa. It's Iowa, old Fran McCaffrey, and Ohio State—the only two teams with back-to-back wins. And look, ma'am, I've I've given a lot of my thoughts on Ohio State here recently because I I do the post game and, and the warm ups, and we've got the Buckeye Show, so I, I've I've had a lot of thoughts on this. And basically, what it boils down to is there's no it's not healthy to continue to stay pissed off at things that have already happened. The season is what the season is. Everybody's got a lot of thoughts on that and where they want the program to be and the expectations for it. But I have to respect guys down to an individual level who choose to do something with the rest of their season instead of pack it up and go home. And the fact that they went out and put, put together a nice brand of basketball and beat NCAA tournament teams I won't say that I'm excited about what could happen next week, but I'm happy that they played well and won those two basketball games. I'll leave it at that for right now, and we'll see what they do. I'll be watching when they play Michigan State here Saturday at
1: noon. Well, I enjoy it's not 27 point losses anymore. I'll, I'll tell you that that sucked. <laughs> yeah. It did. It was rough. Yeah, no, it's uh, it, it's encouraging. I mean, that's I think that at this point of the year, you just want to th- see things when you know your your fate's kind of sealed outside of. A magical run a 5% chance run next week Is you want to see improvement and especially in your young guys and I mean It's hard not to be encouraged by what you see with guys like uh, Felix Akpara and Bruce Thornton like the way they've played especially in that that Maryland game Was really nice and it shows me that what type of leaps they can make as Southmores And it's really encouraging especially with the young guys they are bringing in and then whatever they do in the transfer portal We'll see how that goes um, but yeah, I, I think it's really encouraging to see them play. Well, it's not like you're tanking for a draft pick or something like you want to see that improvement and show that they're not quitting on the season.
0: Yeah. I've said that a couple of times too. It's not, it's not the same as that you get no extra benefit for continuing to be bad. You have to use every minute that you have. So if if you were to look at the biggest positives, you said a couple of players there. Like the, oh, those, the big, those are your two. That's it. You Whoa. go, you go, Bruce and Felix guys that you think will be here. Biggest bright spots going ahead next year, and maybe beyond.
1: Yes, those two. Absolutely, those are the top two guys. I'm I'm curious to see, and I'd like to see more of Roddy Gale, see maybe more if we can expand his offensive game. Absolutely. He, he's showing me he can do it on defense. He's going to be scrappy, but I want to see him develop an outside shot and really be confident in taking the ball to the hoop. That's really something I want to see him doing going into his sophomore season. But, yeah, it's it's 100% these freshmen, man. and Especially with Zed being out, this is an opportunity for Felix to really feel comfortable that if he's playing – start her minutes next year. He's getting that experience right now.
0: You know who Roddy reminds me a little bit, and Buckeye fans will remember this guy recently, and he's still in college basketball. It's Luther Muhammad, a guard Okay. with, you know, he comes in and he's defensive-minded. East Coast guy, too. Luther was from New Jersey, right? We love Jersey guards. Yes, he was. And then he started to slowly expand his offensive game, and then he decided he...
1: He wanted to just up and leave because well, he was a starter and it wasn't good enough for him he, here. <laughs> he didn't expand his three-point shooting. No. I don't think it's doing very well at Arizona State. No, but l- we saw Luther
0: have some better offensive games while he was still a Buckeye. And you need Roddy to sort of go beyond that. And I think we've seen him knock down a three. We've seen him attack the basket, too. So those are things that I'm sure when he has his breakout interview, he, I mean, he had offense it. will be the thing. He had
1: it in high school. He was their top. Actually, if you believe it, he was their top-rated recruit coming into the season. How about that? Yeah. And uh, it's just guys develop at different paces, and that's okay. I mean, you, you work through that things, and hopefully that's just something they put a plan on for this summer to try to work on certain things.
0: Where How far behind him were Bruce? Was Bruce the second highest rated and then Bryce the third highest rated? Would was, that blow people's minds? I think minds? it was like
1: single-digit spots. I think it was like 49 and 51, something like Variety that. From Roddy
0: to Bruce? I think
1: it was like... Or to Bryce, I think it was Roddy at like 49. Bruce and I'm talking about 24/7 Sports their composite ranking, so that's including all of the these sites together and making an average. I think Roddy was like late 40s, Bruce was like 51, and then you had, I believe, Sensaball and Felix Par like back to back in the 60s.
0: That's crazy. I'll uh, I was scanning it there. I I see Roddy at number 49. God, good memory out of you, Bruce, 51. Jeez, man. Just I was, live in your I, mind. No, I was looking it up. Rice and Felix, sixty-five, sixty-six. I was looking. Jeez. I
1: honestly, I was looking it up last week because I wanted to see the comparisons to the guys coming in in, in the next class with guys like Tyson Chapman, uh, Scott Scotty Middleton, and mm-hmm. kind of see where they are, what the comparisons are for the recru- the uh, scouting department. Like, how do these guys' games mesh together?
0: You know, and I, I wonder. It really does feel, at least with Bruce, I can say it confidently with Bruce, he will not be like a sophomore. He'll be like a junior oh my goodness. next year.
1: I mean, you're seeing the sophomore right now. I mean, the way, he's, I think of, so. the way yeah. he's commanding games and honestly seeing a point guard that's got that much command and I don't know what his number since uh, the start of the new year has been in terms of three-point shooting, but it just kind of seems like he's kind of become a sharpshooter from deep.
0: By the way, uh, Chapman is the highest rated for the Buckeyes. Mm-hmm. He's 36 in the country. Scotty Middleton, 43. Devin Royal, 59. Man, three in the top 50, and that's what we're talking about here. They're that's, good players. But that's w- the good part of this. I
1: think what's common, and if you read some of the scouting reports on those guys, is there's a lot of raw talent on offense. Mm-hmm. So maybe not a guy like a sense of you can trust to come in and score 15 points per game for you next year. We'll see how that turns out. But it's something where you need to see some of these sophomore guys prove that they can take that step up so there's not that pressure on the freshman.
0: Bryce gone for you?
1: Yeah, I don't see why. I mean, every mock draft I see he's kind of like on the edge. Kind of where Malachi Brandon was yeah. in terms of on the edge of the lottery. I, I'm i 80-20, he's
0: gone. I, I, think it's 90, a, 10.
1: I think it's probably... 90-10.
0: I think it's probably...
1: I mean, with these guys that can just put up buckets left and right, that's what the NBA wants. So they're going to really probably rate them higher than even I think they are but yeah that 13 to 15 range seems to be where everybody has him
0: what what to you though would be the biggest concern going to next year and beyond
1: Oh, it's going back to what I just said is that these guys are raw offensively is what you see from the scouting reports from, from these just freshmen, with the rook, just with the freshmen. Is, yeah, I think you can get some of these freshmen that average seven to nine points per game and that's great, but I don't know if you have that sense of all coming in. I think the name that I've been using consistently with the portal is a guy like Tanner Shannon Jr. Where Illinois got that guy that's going to lead them night in and night out. I think they need that if they want to make a leap into the top half of the Big Ten next year because... It's great that Thornton's going to put up maybe 13, 14 points per game from the point guard position, but can you depend on that night in and night out? I think you need that dependable player. My
0: question is the guy that I was super confident about coming back here. We talked about how Bruce is going to feel like a junior next year. I thought Zed Moore still looked like a sophomore this year before the injury. And then the injury came and it just wrecked and derailed his whole season. And this is going to cut into his, his time in the summer I just think this guy's got to make massive improvements. We talk about him and Felix playing the four and the five at the same time. I'm still wondering, is Zed a top-notch starting big in this conference, or if he's better fit to come off the bench and provide that 15 to 20 minutes? Because he was good. He provided some lift when he
1: was in that role. Yeah, this is going to be interesting and why I think Royal is going to play a big key in this. And I know we're talking about future seasons, but uh royal is going to be a really key at the four spot I, I think if they have to go early on with akpara playing a lot of the five as zed tries to get up to speed because he misses so much of the summer I, I think you're going to see a lot of these freshmen playing early kind of similar to this year but again that all depends on what they do in the portal if they lose a guy here or there and i'm not, I'm not going to speculate on who goes or who stays but if let's say they lose a guide and bring in two more in the portal or whatever their numbers look like or Maybe the name we haven't even mentioned yet. Maybe Bronny does choose to come to Ohio State. Mm. I'm not I'm not confident uh. in it, but um maybe that's a case where they get a guy like that who's who's a really good slashing guard. Um but there's just so much left on this roster in terms to figure out that you don't have all the answers yet, but you have a you have a general idea. Gonna be a fun one here. Saturday at noon, uh, action on the fan. I hope it's fun. I mean, there's been it's been a house of horrors as our guy Paul Kiel's likes to say when you go to places like Mackey or Breslin where it's it's tough to win and it's tough to keep games close. I just... You don't have I to just, care as much though right now. I, I just You, want to you see won them.
0: two games. You make them sweat a little bit. Just play loose. Play the style that you've been playing. I'm not just saying roll the ball out there but I think you can have more fun in doing this and you can live with it if you lose because the season is what the season is. You're still the 13 seed next week.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. It doesn't change your seeding. It doesn't really change your path a whole lot in the Big Ten tournament. Just play tough, play aggressive and play like you have nothing to lose because you don't.
0: All right. I am going to give you that comment that I'm sure you've been hearing it a lot and you've had it as well about where we're going with the NCAA tournament and road trips are getting a little interesting right now. As you got conference tournaments and the big guys are finishing up their regular seasons. That's coming up. It's mad about hoops. (laughs) Timmy Hall, evil, bald, Colin, and all you fine college basketball fans out there. This is Mad About Hoops. We remind you, as you could be listening to a Saturday morning on the fan, the only way to get the full unedited podcast is to listen to the podcast. Anywhere you get your audio, just go and search us, Mad About Hoops. And if you're listening on Apple, please do leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. A user comment would be nice. We love that. It's it's unedited and it's free to listen to. We get into our road trip meter right off the bat here. And our our guest co-hosts have uh, loved these segments, Colin, because there's nothing better than you got nothing to do on a Saturday or a Sunday. You're a big college basketball diehard. You're here in central Ohio. You can get to a lot of cities within a four and a half, five hour drive, even if you want to go. A little ballsy and go, you know, six to eight hours. You can get a lot more. Like, you can get to Charlottesville, Virginia, you could, and uh, you we could, put them uh, on here. You
1: could fly to Logan, Utah, and see Utah State versus Boise State, which is going to be a great game this weekend, but... Well, your boy, Matty Ice, turned it into, like, flying, because
0: he <laughs> he wasn't he wasn't thrilled about too, too many hours in the car, so oh, yes. we did some air trips with Matty Ice, as well as road trips, and he uh, wanted to take us to see Gonzaga and St. Mary's there, but... Uh, You know, another one in the Big 12 we've we've gone back to several times. That's West Virginia. Sean McNeil's old squad. He was talking about Huggy Bear this past week, how much he loves him. You got West Virginia hosting Kansas State Saturday at 2 o'clock. K-State still very, very good, man. Team to watch in the tournament.
1: K-State's very good. Really good guard in Marquise Noel, as we've talked about. Keontae Johnson's playing very well, and West Virginia is playing for their lives in terms of the NCAA tournament, man. They, they got a really good win on the road against Iowa State earlier in the week, and they just need to keep on stacking wins so that they can get into maybe the last four buys or maybe the last four in situation.
0: I put that at like a seven, seven out of 10. Tickets aren't going to be super cheap for this one. When it's telling me the lowest one is 64, a decent seat will definitely be into the hundreds, but that tells you that that will be a big-time environment. So you're not you're not seeing an empty gym or anything. You're seeing Big 12 basketball, You're seeing West Virginia and K-State, two good teams, one really good team, and that would be fun if you decided to go. What else we got out there?
1: Yeah, personally on Sunday, I'm looking at Memphis and Houston down in Memphis. It's going to be a great rematch of an earlier game where Memphis kind of gave them a game, but Houston pulled away. Houston's kind of coasting through the season. I don't know how I feel about them yet. They kind of play close. I know they had a close game against uh, Wichita State earlier in the week, so we'll see how they finish out the season, but that's a really interesting one, and... Uh, I I really, really would love to on Sunday to get down to Kennesaw to see Kennesaw State versus Liberty because that's going to be a great, great game in the A-Sun. Darius McGee has been a four-year guy, maybe five years, but he's averaging over 23, 24 points per game. Really one of those guys, if they made the tournament, that he would be a guy to keep an eye on in terms of your double-digit seed that needs to uh, be picked. He's a really good player. Back to Memphis, I will say I watched some of that last
0: Houston game where they gave him a little push at the end. DeAndre Williams, their lanky, big guy, he is fun to watch play, man. He gets up and down the floor. He's fast. He's flying all over the place. Fun to watch play. So I've never
1: been to Memphis. Can you believe that? Never been there. You? No, I have not. I've been to Nashville, but I haven't gone down there. Same. That'd be a great game to go for. But uh, real quick, I will say, adding real quick, uh, Charleston, they're 28-3. They have to win Probably, they probably have to win the Colonial to make it to the NCAA tournament. But if they win two games and then don't win the title, they could be the first team in over 20-plus years to not make the tournament as a 30-plus win team. Oh, my.
0: Uh, also, CB, don't forget, back uh, to a bigger conference in the Big East, X is home Saturday at 7 o'clock. 32 bucks. Get in the door price. Well, Butler. Butler good. got him over at Hinkle the last time. So, uh, you know, Xavier, you just want to get a win going into tournament time.
1: Xavier's kind of funky because early on then, that game happened early on in the absence of Zach Fremantle and they kind of had a tough time adjusting, especially when uh, Nunji would get in foul trouble. But they've kind of turned it on lately and they've kind of figured out how to play around it and it's really just, you know, putting your trust in Sule Boom and Colby Jones to really get the offense going. And then Jerome Hunter, the former North Carolina and I believe was Indiana for a hot second or maybe it was just North Carolina, but he's now with Xavier, and he's really stepped up in the absence of Fremantle.
0: Yeah, man, Sule Boom, best mid-major transfer. He's been oh, incredible. W- without been without incredible. a doubt. Duke UNC. Duke yeah, and man. Carolina.
1: We haven't talked Duke and Carolina. <laughs> it's it's a hu- six thirty. It's a huge game for North Carolina's tournament hopes. And quite honestly, I'm loving Duke's potential to win the, the ACC tournament. I think they're t- they're turning it on at the right time.
0: John Shire, first guy, was it just in ACC history or college basketball history to go undefeated at home in his first season as a coach? Oh, that's a great stat. Got to be ACC history. There's got to be other guys that have done it in college hoops history. So the thing that I keep hearing, man, is, and you could say, I laugh because it is true this year, but I also feel like there's dudes that say this, make this comment about college basketball every single year. Oh, guys, I feel like there's... I feel like there's 15 teams out there that can win it all. <laughs> Is that that abnormal? I mean, I get where that's coming from because you don't have Duke or Carolina right up at the top of the sport. They're both unranked playing today or playing Saturday here night. And you got no Kentucky. They're they just got back in the polls, and then they lost to Vanderbilt. So they've got a lot of blemishes. A lot of these teams have a lot of flaws. It does feel like a squad like Houston, who plays in a smaller conference could uh show show out again. They've already made a final four run with this team. But they don't get a lot of respect because of who they play, but they do have Shed and Sasser, and when you got a big backcourt like that, you could do some pretty good things.
1: Yeah, I think 15 teams is kind of overselling it. I think it's more like seven or, seven or eight and we could probably name those on a, on a date heading into selection Sunday, but yeah, I, I think there's going to be a lot of chaos early. I think there's going to be a lot of chaos early. Maybe a couple of teams that make the Elite Eight that kind of, you know, you raise your eyebrows at. But I don't. it's not going to be the Blue Bloods like last year, which is, I mean, sort of unique in the way that you got Duke, UNC, Villanova, and Kansas all in one Final Four. That was amazing. I don't think you're going to get that this year. But in terms of the teams that can win this, I, I think it's going to be someone that's going to be a little bit predictable, which is going to be top 40 in offensive efficiency and top 22, top 20 in defensive.
0: Well, I got nothing else,
1: man. I'm just excited. I'm ready. Yeah, by the time we talk to you next time, it's going to be deep, deep into the major tournaments for the weekend, and then it'll be Selection Sunday.
0: It's going down for real. We are actually going to be on the fan on Sunday, keeping everybody company when the brackets get released. Never done that before because the Blue Jackets always decide they want to play. <laughs> That's right. During I, Selection I think the past Sunday. couple of
1: years we've done like a Zoom for it. But yes, it's uh, it's yeah. good to actually do it on the real broadcast.
0: We'll be unveiling the brackets. This That will be your time to shine, buddy. Yeah, the man. instant reaction where I just read off some regions and I ask you about a couple of teams that really the common person knows nothing about. And I'll just say, CB, what do you got on these guys? I'm going to
1: do my uh, Seth Davis impression where I talk about this as a real set potential as he <laughs> analyzes it for the first 15 to 20 seconds.
0: CB, what do you think about the UConn Huskies right here matching up with the Maryland Terrapins possibly in the second round? I will say a sneak peek.
1: <laughs> UConn is looking like a team that might get in the east, which means they will stay in like Albany, New York and in the New York region around c- Connecticut. So they could be through the entire region, very located in their region of the state or in the region of the country where they could have a huge advantage. No, mm, where is it
0: stronger than in Albany? All right. Good stuff, my friend. Good to have you back. And everybody, make sure you get good sleep at night because you got a lot of college basketball to watch during the day. Beat Sparty. Go get him today. Buckeyes, 12 o'clock Saturday, Ohio State at Michigan State. And we will see you next week right here on Mad About Hoops.